Hello and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host for today, Michael Martin, and I am joined by the great Joe Masato. Joe, what's going on? Doing some last minute packing ahead of this uh, long road trip. I'm I'm a I'm an extreme procrastinator when it comes to packing and, and getting ready for things. So I just put a load of laundry in. Now I'm podcasting. Life is great. I don't think anyone is better at traveling than my uncle, who um, is a missionary in the Philippines, but one time came back to the States. He traveled the 14 hours on the plane. The only thing that he packed was a second pair of underwear in his back pocket. <laughs> and then he would go to conventions and go and rent a suit from Walmart and keep all the tags and then return it within two days. Oh my gosh! The most it frugal. Sounds like a, yeah, it sounds like a tall tale or something. Here's the legend of this guy who only packed a pair of underwear in his back the, pocket, but it's most, real. It's yeah, real. the most frugal guy of all time. He taught me playing basketball growing up when he was like 20 and I was like eight. He'd hit me, say, "Face is part of the ball." That that's his mm. legendary thing. So shout out to Ricky. But let's move on to more important things, which. Um, we're here to talk about like the Thunder. The Thunder win last night, or not last night, win on Wednesday against the San Antonio Spurs in a big-time comeback. The story of the game was J-Dub, but what did you see in that one? Well, he was fantastic. Uh, Career-high 27 points. And, you know, someone someone had to create some offense uh, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, out with that hip injury stemming from that fall in New Orleans. But... Um, I thought J-Dub was extremely aggressive, made the right plays at the right time, and it was um, two plays stood out, and we can go more in-depth into both if you want, but um, the dunk there at the end of the third quarter where it's like, oh my gosh, how the heck did he dunk that? It looked like he had no lane at all, um, and he just said, I have very long arms. Um, that was his explanation, which, fair, fair enough. Um, he needn't say more. And then what really sealed the game was that, um, you know, push shot, float, or whatever you want to call it, that put the Thunder up four late, um, where, you know, just just nice touch on that, nice decision, and, and a clutch shot. Yeah, he looked great. Um, he really stepped up. There was somebody who's going to be needed to step up with Shea out, and J-Dub was awesome. 27 points. He had um, six rebounds. He was 11 of 15 from the field, two out of three from deep, including that game-winning floater and that huge dunk, like you said, with the long arms quote, which I appreciated that he was just honest about it and didn't make something up that was um, super motivational. It's like, well, I just saw it up there, and I stretched my arms and did this and contorted my body. He's like, I just have long arms. Yeah, and, you know, we were we were talking before the game about, like, who's the best dunker on this team? They don't have a lot of high flyers. No one from the Thunder is going to get invited to the 2023 Slam Dunk Contest. But it might be J-Dub, and I'm, I'm just basing that off of uh, um, really that dunk from the other night. But he's had some other loud ones. Um, he tries to snap the rim, and, you know, his dunks are pretty aggressive. So he's in that conversation with Baisley, Trey Mann, um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl said it's him. I, I, I love you, JRE. It's probably not, um, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say J Dub has entered the chat. We'll have to do some investigative reporting there. Figure out what's going on. Who the yeah. best dunker is? We need to. Who do you th- Who do you think it is? My gut was Baisley when we were talking in the pregame, but everybody told me I was wrong, so that made me feel a little bit less confident about it. But I don't know. Just him having the longer arms and being more athletic. I don't know. J-Dub, just as athletic as he is, that's just not the first thing that comes to mind when I think of him as a player. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. By the way, I think you're right on Baisley. I, I agree with you. I think last season, <laughs> um, my pick was Isaiah Roby, who almost, you know, he, he threw down a big one, tried to throw down an even bigger one later in the game. But um, shout out Isaiah Roby, former Thunder current Spur. But I think it probably is Baisley now. Sorry, I've got a subtrack here. For sure. And then um, I wanted to mention with J-Dub, he had 27 the other night. Only three, only two other rookies have scored 27 or more this season. Paolo Bancaro four times and Benedict Matherin three times. So pretty good company for J-Dub. But the game was um, a lot of fun. It was a, a tale of two halves, that's for sure, where they the Spurs score 77 in the first half and only 34 in the second half. That was... It was it was nuts. I mean, first off, in, in the first half, I planned to write something along the lines of the Thunder is really missing Shea Gilgis Alexander's defense, and who would have thought we would have said this before this season? Um, but in the second half, you know that storyline kind of goes away because they only allowed thirty four points, and some of it, really, what Mark Dignall said after the game is like the the buy-in factor, the care factor went up quite a bit in the second half. So that's, that's how you explain how the Spurs who have lost 14 of 15, um, 29th ranked off into the league. That's how they scored 77 points there in in the first half. I mean, some of it was hot shooting. Some of it was just like some days defense from the Thunder, but then the Thunder ramped it up in the second half. And it was like, you know, the Spurs couldn't cross 20 in either of the final two quarters. No, it was incredible. I mean, season um, low of 34 points for the Thunder holding the Spurs in the second half. That's the least amount anyone has scored against the Thunder this season in one half. Um, But I was just really impressed by the team and how they locked in. Baisley, as we mentioned, um, he had a pretty nice night, only 14 minutes, but he was a plus 14 in those minutes. He only had one point, but he really flipped the game defensively, it felt like to me. Yeah, what do you think of the whole Baisley substitution pattern there? Because... When they were giving up 77 points on their way to giving up 77 points in the first half, it's like, you know, if only they had someone on the bench who could play defense, and and it was Darius Baisley. He didn't come in until the 425 mark in the third quarter, and then it impacted the game. Um, I've given up on trying to figure out Mark's substitution patterns, but what do you think of that? I thought it was a little bit odd. I mean, I was watching him on the bench in the first half, and you could just see him like, why am I not in this game? Like just kind of like rocking back and forth in the uh, on the bench, but it's it's interesting. I mean, he's trying to balance different things out, but at least I mean, the nicest thing I can say is at least Mark was willing and found it in the second half. But the tale of Darius Baisley or more so Aaron Wiggins, just not really sure when they're going to play, has been a, a theme early this season. Yeah, that one that one is even harder to to figure out, but. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like, well, and this is, this has been true, especially with the older guys, kind of like, you know, Mescala when he was healthy, Kenrich Williams. Sometimes there's, like, planned days off pretty much where they're just not going to go to that guy unless they have to. And I kind of thought that was one of them for Darius Baisley. So I was even more surprised when he came in there in the third quarter. Um, but, yeah, credit Mark for going to him. I think it didn't flip the game, but it, it certainly – helped the Thunder's chances and um, was able to stop the bleeding a little bit. So 
so yeah, good move there. Yeah, flip might have been hyperbolic, but it definitely changed the tides and impacted it. It still had to come down to the Thunder as a team locking in defensively, but to give the Spurs some credit on the other side, I really liked what I saw from Devin Vassell, you know, classic swingman, um, 3 and D guy. He had 25 points, 3 assists, 7 rebounds on 7 to 13 for the field, 3 of 6 from 3. I got some like very, very young Chris Middleton vibes watching him out there. Ooh, I like that comp. I like that comp a lot. I Devin Vassell, he's a guy whose game translates and he could fit on any team in the league. Like there's not enough of those guys to to go around. And, you know, he's the Spurs are in a tough spot because like Devin Vassell and even Keldon Johnson, who I really like as well, neither of those guys are guys you just want to give the ball to and and have them orchestrate the offense because you kind of saw what happened there in that second half. I mean, Keldon Johnson, and I'm stealing this from a uh, Spurs reporter who was sitting close to me, it kind of looked like, you know, when Lou Dort was running things for the Thunder toward the end of the last couple of seasons where, you know, Dort put up points and, like, credit him because he was playing out of position. That's kind of the role Keldon Johnson playing for the Spurs right now as far as, like, someone's got to create. He's this big, strong kid who can't really shoot it, but, you know, muscles his way to the rim. Um, but, yeah, the Spurs are not good. I'm not I'm not breaking any news here. I think them and the Rockets are going to be in quite a fight to finish with the worst record. For sure. And then I think we need to talk about Josh Giddy just because Barry and I talked about him, and then especially with Shea out, just how he looked um, the other night. Yeah, he had 14 rebounds. I thought that was big. It's kind of been a theme from him this season that, you know, when his offense isn't really – when his shot isn't really going, like he's he's going to crash the boards, try to do other things. I didn't think it was a spectacular game for Giddy, but I thought it was solid, and I thought you and Barry brought up great points, so I won't regurgitate them here. But just the fact that it's a little ridiculous to – give up or even like question Josh Giddy's long-term fit with this team. If you want to do that in two years, fine. We're all going to be doing it in two years if, you know, we have to, but he's 20 years old. And uh, yeah, I think that conversation is, is a lot ridiculous. Not a little, a lot. I'd say the most impressive thing I saw from him the other night was the fact that he handled the ball most of the game, zero turnovers. Very yeah. nice. Cause that's been an issue pretty much this entire season so far. I think that's what has caused some frustration along with the shooting that people have had, but he fixed that. He went um, almost 50% from the field, 7 of 18, and those zero turnovers, that's that's what you want to see out of a point guard. Yeah, his only game this season with zero turnovers, so that was definitely a good sign. And I want to give you the opportunity to pat yourself on the back here because in pregame you asked Mark about Trey Mann breaking out of a slump, and then he immediately did – uh, with a nice game there, um, he, you know, got his shot going as you predicted. Yeah, and you know, I, I appreciate the credit. I, I don't know if I uh, if I predicted it, but it was it was good timing for sure. Asking like Trey had come into this game really struggling for the most part on, on the season from three. I mean, we widely regard this guy as one of the best uh, three-point shooters on the team, and he was shooting sub-30% from deep. 
but Mark, I thought, had a really good answer. It's like, this guy that we're asking to be aggressive and stay aggressive and hunt his shot, if we then told him, hey, just because you're missing some of those shots, you've got you've to hold back now. You've got to ease off. You can't be as aggressive. He was basically saying it would make no sense if we did that. Like, if we're asking him to be aggressive and he is aggressive and he's missing shots, well, that's just part of it. Like, um, they're, they're uh, very much into the process, not the results. Um, I use that in, in my question because I knew Mark was going to say that same thing. The other thing Mark said was that Trey is competing on in every other part of his game, like trying hard defensively, still showing a lot of effort. And it's one thing if you're missing shots and that's affecting your effort, that's probably going to get you pulled. Um, but if you play hard and you're missing shots, he's going to stay with you. Yeah, you can't just put a guy in a box like that where if he gets cold because you're taking away his literal superpower on the floor, which is his deep ball and being able to create space and things. So if you're telling him not to do that, like you mentioned, it just, why would you even play him at that point? And then um, another pregame thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, my experience uh, talking to Greg Popovich, which you enjoyed uh, (laughs) when we walked into the press conference room and he walks in and says, what do you want to everyone in there? And then stands up next to the microphone, which is about waist height. And I won't lie to you, I was kind of nervous in there, but I got to ask him a question. He uh, talked about Shea for a little bit, about uh, just the monster that he is, has the most 30-point games in the league and his um, development and things like that. But it was uh, pretty nice to see another coaching legend in there. And Mark got asked about that, I think, post-game, about trying to uh, match him, and he was not having that. Yeah, the, I want to give you a shout-out. I, uh, I remember being very nervous asking Pop, my first question, and uh, I know this all sounds, you know, kind of ridiculous, but as young reporters, this is something we, we, we go through. So shouts for asking Pop a question and you live to tell the tale. You emerged from the press conference room um, without your head being lopped off or something like that. Um, yeah, Pop is an all-time character. We, we all know that. Um, and it was interesting after the game. Like, maybe this is just like a post-COVID type thing, but coaches used to embrace a little more, shake hands, hug, whatever. And that doesn't usually happen much these days. They they kind of look at each other as the clock is winding down and just give a wave, and then they walk off. Um, but Pop came over to Mark, and um, they talked for, you know, a few seconds, and there was – more interaction there. So I, I have no idea what to read into that, but it seems like Pop respects Mark as a young coach, and I assume it means a lot to Mark as a young coach to have that respect. They were just talking about the process over results. That's what it was about. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Skittles and Broccoli, Bruce Springsteen, all, all the Mark specials. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's probably what Pop was giving him, like uh, – wine recommendations and you know he's like where should i eat around here so that, that's probably what it was maybe maybe i'm reading too much that would not shock me if pop came up after a game like that where the thunder had a great comeback win and a young coach he's like where should i eat tonight <laughs> would not surprise me 
But something no. that was a little bit surprising was Rookie of the Month J-Dub, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, lottery pick, was named Rookie of the Month for the Western Conference uh, this month, averaging 10.7 points, 3.2 rebounds, and 2.6 assists, Well, also averaging less than two turnovers per game and shooting 52.4% from the field. This surprised me. Like, and maybe it shouldn't have. Th- these awards kind of like sneak up on you. I mean, they're they're cool. They're not the biggest deals in the world. Obviously, it was um, interesting to watch Giddy last year. It's like at one point, can he sweep the whole season winning Western Conference Rookie of the Month? Obviously got hurt and that didn't happen. Um, but they've gone back to back years now where they're racking up these awards left and right. And, you know, J-Dub has been good and obviously he was great in that last game, but I mean, I haven't done my homework preparing for this award. Like, I wonder where he stacks up among Western Conference Rookies of the Month. So I'm just going to go through, because the the two... Okay, so I'm going to go through the NBA draft here, uh, Michael. Ben Caro, uh, Eastern Conference. Jabari Smith, not playing well yet. Keegan Murray said his moments kind of cooled down recently. Ivy East, Matherin East. Shaden Sharp, I don't know what his overall numbers look like, but he's getting a ton of love. Mm-hmm. And you got Daniel Sohan. So, like, it kind of makes sense when you look um, at the at the draft and, and seeing, like, okay, what other Western Conference rookies is he up against? And given his playing time and counting stats, like, it's probably a pretty good case. Yep, well... The Thunder, as you mentioned, have won the last five of uh, they've won five of the last six months of Rookie of the Month with between Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams, which is even crazier to think that Chet Holmgren still hasn't played and they've won all those. Chet Holmgren um, could be the guy next year. He could he could rack up Western Conference Rookie of the Month next year. Are you ready to predict that the Thunder will never lose another Rookie of the Month? A little bit too early. <laughs> I, I'm not ready to predict that. I actually think that would be a bad sign for the Thunder if they were like picking this high year after year, um, getting guys of that caliber, unless they're just finding gems at like 27, 28, 29, whatever. But I'm 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 going to hold off on that prediction. That's a good call because before Josh Giddy, the only other person to win Rookie of the Month for the Thunder was Russell Westbrook one time. Yeah, I mean, Giddy was the Thunder's highest pick since James Harden. So they have not been picking high, and picking high is usually how you pick some of the best rookies. Uh, another uh, another case of me breaking news here on this podcast. Yep, and then well, we're talking about rookies. We mentioned Chet, uh, but let's talk about the rookies that are playing for this team this season, and they played a pretty nice game, uh, both of them on Wednesday, between J-Dub and Usman Jang. I thought Jang was good. And it was just his third game back since being recalled from the blue. He had a couple of easy dunks early. Um, he had a really nice layup where he like adjusted midair. It looked like he was going to sky for the slam, but then he adjusted and goes under and lays it in. I, th- I thought that just the body control that he shows at that size is impressive. Um, still like, way, 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 way too early to make any judgments on Jing's game. Like, if he comes out, you know, tomorrow on, on Saturday, I don't even know if he's making the trip. But if he does and plays terribly, it's 
going to be okay. Like th this is just the ups and downs of a 19 year old. Yeah, and um, what I liked in the post game was Mark talking about how he just gets better and better and better every time he sees them, from you know the draft work to summer league to preseason to his first stint with the blue coming back and then another stint that he just keeps getting better and better. So that's something to be optimistic about. But both those guys have been, um, I don't know, I'd say um, they've given Thunder fans some optimism going forward. Obviously, things can change, and like you said, don't get too up, don't get too down on things, but there have been some flashes of good things I think that Thunder fans can be excited about. Also, we, we all knew coming into the year that one of these guys should be far ahead of the other, and that's um, J-Dub over Jang. Even though they were picked in back-to-back -back spots, one played three years of college, is a little bit older. The other is not only 19, but he is not from this country and he's adjusting to new life and everything like that. Um, so yeah, this is, it's kind of gone as expected. I mean, maybe J-Dub has exceeded, I mean, there's a lot of expectations on him, but he's just been so solid. Um, and Jang, like, uh, uh, in the spirit of, um, was it Dennis Green is who he, they, they are who we, we thought they were. Mm -hmm. Jang is who we thought he was. I had a great time watching Poku and Jang minutes there for a little bit. It didn't last long, but it was magical what was out there. I don't think they won those minutes at all, but I was just like, this is interesting. This is something here. <laughs> are you ready for uh, Poku, Jang, Chet minutes? Not yet. It's gonna. I'm gonna have to wait a whole year before I'm ready. I'm gonna have some time to prepare myself. I'll have to watch film, but yeah, just crazy stuff. And then, is there anything that you'd like to see more of from these guys? Maybe things that you like from their game, dislike, just early. Um, I've mentioned this before. I I think I'm curious to see what J Dub's end of season three point numbers look like. Um because I have no idea. I mean, I think, you know, he's so shown signs that it can be a solid three-point shooter, even though the numbers aren't there. With Jang, I, there's really nothing I would want to see because, like, think, <laughs> and I know that's a, that's a dumb answer, but, like, think back to Poku, how much the conversation around him has ebbed and flowed, and, and Jang was a bigger-time prospect than Poku was, but it's like, there's really nothing Jang could do other than like, um, you know, getting a defensive rebound and throwing the ball over the backboard with 23 seconds on the shot clock. Um, that would be alarming. But other than that, there's, there's really nothing he could do that would like make me out on him after one year. I had the same thing with J-Dub. He's only shooting 29.5% from three. Obviously that's going to be a big time thing for him. Like it is for, Almost anyone in the NBA got to be able to shoot the three now. And then for Oos, I don't have anything just super, I don't know, hard where it's like fix your shot, do this, do that, but just float less, I guess. Um, he played mm -hmm. with a lot more force and physicality, which Mark talks about, and he did that on Wednesday, and it got him more minutes. But just things where it's like I can't forget you're out there for long stretches. Yeah, and you definitely do notice that with him. Probably, I mean, definitely a part of him just being a young player. But um, yeah, float, float less. That's a good. That's a good motto for Usman Jang. Yeah, and then J Dub. I mean, I'm just really excited about. It. I talked to a scout during the game about him, and just 
him being a jack of all trades and being able to do everything and just super malleable. He's plug and play and kind of can do whatever you need him to do, which is just super, super useful for a team like this because you can just plug him into any lineup and it doesn't really change anything. What really strikes me about him is like his body is NBA ready as a rookie. Like he is built rather impressively. I mean, he's obviously got the long arms, um, but it's not like he's a guy that you, you say, oh, he needs to put some weight on. Like, yeah, maybe a little, but like he's he's like ready to go and like handle the physical rigors of the NBA like from day one, it looks like. Well, and he's super mature in just how he carries himself in his game. I mean, the nicest thing I can say about him as a rookie is that if you and I are watching the game and you didn't know who Jalen Williams was and I said there's a rookie on the floor, I don't think you'd pick Jalen Williams as a guy. He looks like a vet playing out there just the way he moves and his confidence and things like that. Yeah, we're we're not used to that around here with uh, them drafting 18- to 19-year-olds um, Three-year three-year college guy looks a little different. Definitely. Definitely a throwback compared to guys like Usman Jang and Poku. Jalen Williams a little bit different animal there. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to move on to, we mentioned earlier, Shea Gilgis-Alexander did not play on Wednesday after that hip contusion after a hard fall against the Pelicans on Saturday. Or was that Monday? That was Monday. Um, so he missed that last game. We're not going to speculate on when he's going to come back. But I did want to ask you what – do you think um what do you want to see from the team or certain guys in his absence yeah i uh i'm with you that i don't want to speculate either but i'm gonna speculate just for a second i'd be very surprised if he's not uh ready to go tomorrow night but if he's not and if he misses more games on this trip than i expect like i think it's i mean you can't ask like J-Dub to do what he did the other night, but like he's going to have more responsibility. I think my eyes will be most on Josh Giddy if Shea Gilgis-Alexander is out because we saw some of Josh's best minutes come without SGA, and he's able to go back into his natural position handling the ball more. And maybe that just puts him in a better comfort level when, when Shea does come back. So really, like... We didn't see that as much from... I thought he was going to be even more ball-dominant when Shea was out the other night. Didn't really see that. And maybe it's on purpose. Like, that's not the way they're going to play when Shea is out there. So they, they want to stay within their system, spread it out, everything like that. Uh, but I'll be watching Giddy. What about you? Yeah, the same. I mean, not one guy can just replace Shea's production. I think it falls on three guys. Uh, Josh with the majority of it, and then Trey Mann and J-Dub, who both played well on Wednesday, but just more ball handling duty, more um, play initiation duty, and just we need more shots from them and more points from them to make up for Shea's absence. But those are the guys who I'd watch the most. I think the bigs and the wings are going to kind of stay the same. I don't know that how much more or less is really going to change all that much unless you have an incredible game or a god-awful game from one of those guys, but I think it falls on those guards more than anybody else. More Aaron Wiggins is what I would say to this situation than any situation. Um, part of it's in jest. I know they, they uh, not in jest, you know, as in like a eat, but in jest as a, as a, as a joke. Just wanted to clarify there, Michael. Um, 
Where was I going? Aaron Wiggins. Yeah, I, I know they've got to get their young guys on the floor. But, like, he's just, I mean, unless I'm reading the underlying stats wrong. He's a winner. The line, <laughs> the line update are wrong. They are significantly better when he's on the floor. He, you know, is, I, I don't know if he's actually a 40% three-point shooter. He's probably not. But, like, he's can play defense multiple positions doesn't make mistakes offensively i uh i just i don't know i just think he's a he's a good basketball player i'd love to see more aaron wiggins you'll never hear me complain when we see aaron wiggins on the floor he's not a 40 percent three-point shooter like you said that's probably just limited sample size but he's definitely a mid-30s guy which would still help a lot of teams with his defense like you talked about in the way he just doesn't really turn the ball over but we're going to have some Aaron Wiggins intervention over the next couple of weeks here. You, uh, you, me, Schleck, some other people will come on here and just grieve and talk about our thoughts. <laughs> I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Hopefully it doesn't come to it, but if it does, I'll be there. Yeah, well, we'll try to make sure it happens after this road trip, which brings me to that. The Thunder have a five-game road trip away from Oklahoma City. They play at Minnesota, at Atlanta, at Memphis, at Cleveland, and finish it off with at Dallas before coming home for a long homestand. Uh, what do you think the Thunder's record is during that five-game away series? One in four. Um, I have no idea what game they're going to win, but I think they'll get one of them. And I think this is just a really tough trip. I mean, there's not like one game you could look to that's – that the Thunder is going to be favored in. So I think they'll get one. Um, but yeah, what, what what say you, Michael? If I had to set the over-under, I'd put it at one and a half. So I had Dallas as a win just because Dallas looks like they're cratering right, cratering right now. But then again, you always have the slump at the end of a long road trip like that where guys are just kind of looking to go home after being in hotels for that long. So maybe that's one they drop. But I think they win one of Minnesota or Atlanta. I don't know what it is that stands out to me about that, but I, I think those teams are someone the Thunder could pick off as someone who's not a super disciplined team who would let them back into a game. So am I hearing two and three is your yes. prediction? Okay. Okay. So Dallas and then one of Minnesota One of Minnesota and Atlanta. Atlanta. A little bit more optimistic than you. Not going to go positive here. We're not going to go three and two. I'm not going to say five and oh or anything like that, but two and three seems... I think one to two wins, like I said, over under one and a half is probably where they sit at for this next road trip. Crazy stuff happens in the NBA. I mean, if they go three and two, it's not like I'm going to be stunned. Like they certainly are capable of that. Um, They haven't been a good road team this year. I think they're three and eight on the road and six and five at home, something, something like that. But, yeah, we'll see. My biggest beef with this road trip, Michael, is so they go at at Minneapolis on Saturday. And then geographically, it makes no sense to go back down to Atlanta, but that, that's what they're doing. And then from Atlanta to Memphis, that makes sense, uh, both in the south, both pretty close. And then back up to Cleveland and then down to Dallas, whereas I just don't know why can't they go Minnesota, Cleveland, and then finish up with the Atlanta, Memphis, Dallas swing. But Making an NBA schedule involving 30 teams in 82 games and whatever 30 times 82 is, is probably a little more difficult than that. Um, but um, that's, a, that's a lot of uh, connecting 
connecting flights for me. Not that I'm complaining, but just a lot of flying. You'll you'll have a lot of time to review some tape and listen to our pods and uh, critique your own work and things like that. That's what it's really about. Just that's, some time in the lab. That's all I do in my free time. I'm I'm sure of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you mentioned, the things can happen that are crazy in the NBA. They could just as easily go 0 and 5 or 5 and 0. I think the trump card that they have, if he does play, is that reasonably Shea can be the best player in any of these games, which obviously gives you a fighting chance. But I'm excited for this um, road trip going forward, and then we'll get a nice never-ending homestand of like seven games or something like that where you and I will be at, uh, there for all of those. Yeah, I mean, they they come back home to play the Miami Heat on December 14th. And then they're home through the 27th. They have one game at Charlotte on the 29th, but then um, they don't leave again until January 3rd. So once they get back from this road road trip, there's only one away game from, you know, mid-December to early January. Do you have any places you're dying to eat at from Minnesota, Atlanta, Memphis, Cleveland, or Dallas? Yes. I am going to go back to the Cozy Corner, a barbecue place in Memphis with, uh, our good friend Daniel Bell, who's going to be making that trip. Um, Minneapolis, there's this really good, like, hole-in-the-wall, like, Greek lunch place. It's it's like, it's like you just, it's like a counter. You go up and, you know, um, get get your food. It's, it's fantastic. So I will be going there. Um, Atlanta... I don't have a go-to place, nor do I in in Cleveland. So I will I will focus my culinary attention on Atlanta and Cleveland to try to find some good spots. We need a, a YouTube vlog series of just Joe eating on the road, different food <laughs> reviews associated with players. Is this the Poku of pulled pork sandwiches? <laughs> oh man, that would be that would be fun. I don't know how well-received it would be, but it would be fun. It'd be entertaining for you, me, and like three people, but that's all that matters. Yeah. That's, that's a it. A very, very niche vlog. Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't get more niche than the things we were talking about in the press room with David Garrard and Isaiah Roby, as you mentioned. David Garrard. Yeah, your one tweet <laughs> that he uh, was very inspired by David Garrard, which gave us all a great laugh for a long time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's I think that's so funny. I hope a young basketball player right now is saying he's inspired by Isaiah Roby. Yeah, it'll be a football be player who's inspired by him. Yeah, that's that's true. Not even the same sport. Oh boy. Random defensive end in Nevada says that Isaiah Roby gave him the courage to try out for the football team. But we can do that bit happen. all day. Uh, let's before we get out of here, I wanted to ask you, you know, do you have any great road trip stories? You've been on the beat for a while with the Thunder. You worked with OU football. You did stuff with Kentucky um, or just any road stories in general growing up. Do you have that come to mind that could be fun? I have a couple. Um, the second more entertaining than the first. But the first, when I covered Kentucky, their second time. So I was only there for two seasons. But the second group, which maybe it's the first group. Oh, man, I should have done my research. Anyway, they played their their first uh, two rounds in Boise, Idaho. I had never been to Boise, but I feel like I'm like the spokesman for their Chamber of Commerce now because I think Boise is a wonderful place, beautiful, you know, small town, but not too small. 
they played at the Taco Bell Arena or Center or whatever. I thought that was pretty funny. There's the there's the famous Blue Field there in Boise. There's some good breweries. Um, downtown is nice. Uh, Kentucky, I think, beat Davidson in the first round, and then they beat Buffalo in the second round. Buffalo, who was coached by Nate Oates, who's now in Alabama and doing a good job there. And unless my memory has has really uh, really left me, Buffalo upset Arizona and DeAndre Ayton um, that season because we were expecting a Kentucky Arizona matchup, but. Yeah, Boise, Idaho, get there. Have you ever been to Boise, Michael? I can't say I have. I mean, as an OU alum and OU fan growing up, I still have some bad memories <laughs> of the Statue of Liberty. And uh, that's just a oh. bridge I'm not willing to cross, but I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> can't do the blue field. Uh, Ian Johnson, right? And yeah. was it Jared Zabransky? Yeah, and then he proposed to the cheerleader on the sideline, and yeah, it's it's been it's been rough for OU fans. But there's a separate podcast, the Oklahoma, just for that, that we can get into. Maybe you and I will guest star on one of those one day. We'll do a, yeah. a, a Freaky Friday switch and have Jenny and Barry come over here and talk about Thunder, and we'll do OU football. We'll, we'll talk about the the glory days of um, Tiny Gallon and Tommy Mason Griffin and OU basketball. That'll, that'll be, be that'll be a fun switch. Look up. forward to the Willie Warren one hour special. <laughs> But can uh, I can I share uh, one more story yes. before uh, I want to hear all of your uh, travel stories? The, the I wish I had a better one for the Thunder. I'm not really going to say one for the Thunder. I mean, going to all of these cities is a treat and and really cool, and you see some good stuff. But not like one in particular stands out. Although anytime um, I can go to Madison Square Garden, it just feels surreal. Um, the best story was OU basketball covering them in the, I'm really bad with dates, um, 2019 NCAA tournament. It was the Christian James team, Miles Reynolds, Aaron Kalixi, Jamani McNeese, Brady Manick. Oh man, what, what, what names? Um, anyway, they, they went to Columbia, South Carolina and, they just destroyed Ole Miss in, in the first round. And then they lost to Virginia in the second round. Ty Jerome in Virginia, by the way, who went on uh, to win the national title that year and avenged their previous year's loss to UMBC in the first round. This was all good and everything, the basketball. But me and Barry were there. I love Barry to death. He's, uh, he's like the best rider and best guy you'll ever meet. So I enjoy traveling with him. And we were flying home from Columbia, South Carolina, back to Oklahoma City, uh, connecting in Atlanta. And our flight to get to Atlanta was delayed from Columbia. Okay. So once we finally get on the flight from Columbia, South Carolina to Atlanta, our plane to Oklahoma City had already left. So we're stuck in Atlanta. It's very late at night. We're getting the earliest flight out to Oklahoma City. We don't even like get a hotel. We're just, um, they gave us a toothbrush at the counter and a little blanket. And Barry slept on a row of seats. I slept on the floor. I think we were actually watching a, the end of a Thunder game that maybe he had recorded. I think they were playing Memphis. Um, but anyway, we sleep in the airport, you know, fine. Get up, 
Um, okay, and what happens? Yeah, we do. We don't fly to Oklahoma City. Okay, they can't get us to Oklahoma City for some unknown reason. I have I have no idea what the reason was. They can get us to Dallas. So at this point, we're just so tired that we're like anywhere close to home. Let's get there, and then we'll figure it out. There's a there's a lot of flights on American Airlines from Dallas to Oklahoma City. So we get to Dallas, and maybe there wasn't maybe there wasn't flights because we were flying Southwest, who doesn't fly anymore to Oklahoma City. So then we were like, you know, we've made the drive from Dallas to Oklahoma City many a time. We're gonna rent a car and drive to Oklahoma City. No car rentals in Dallas. You know why? Because a hailstorm had come through the night before and they were doing all these insurance inspections and couldn't get us a rental car. And then Barry comes up with an idea I'll never forget. He says, what about Uber? And I was like, I don't know, Barry. I, uh, I don't think they can get us from here to Oklahoma City. By golly, we, uh, we got on an Uber. This <laughs> awesome guy from Jamaica, never been to Oklahoma, was like very confused at first as to what we were actually in for. And then he embraced it. Um, and we drove all the way from Oklahoma City or from Dallas to Oklahoma City in an Uber. The Uber driver got out once we finally got back to Barry's house and he took a selfie in front of Barry's house. And that is the best travel story I have. I wish I would have told it uh, in, in a more concise way, but it was it was roundabout. So, uh, yeah, that that's that's my story, Michael. The travel food vlog and I'd pay a lot of money for a buddy cop movie between you and uh, Barry just going around doing different things in your uh, professional yeah, you, Uber you driver. Guys, you guys can actually find, so Barry does his quite famous travel blogs, um, and you can find the one he, he wrote that, that day. Try to find it in the Oklahoma archives, because I'm sure it's, it's good for a laugh. Any, any crazy uh, tra traveling tales from you, Michael? I do. So one time in college when we were playing, um, when I was playing at Randall, we had a road trip down to Dallas somewhere, and we drove, and it's like one of those white vans, like a church van. And those are only supposed mm -hmm. to seat like maybe nine people. We had like 12 guys in there, 13 guys. I'm the shortest one at like six foot. We have a guy who's six, seven. We have guys who are six, five, just stretched out all over these seats. It's just, I mean, there are no seat belts. We're just holding together because we're all bunched in. So we drive down and, you know, we're all crammed in this van and we get to the gym and nobody is there for the game. And we're all kind of like, well, what is happening? Turns out we went to the wrong college in Dallas. There was the same name somewhere else. Oh, oh no. So we had to hightail it across town and go to the other one. And we were late to the game. So it was literally the guys who started were the first five out of the dressing room who were dressed. There was no warm up. I was one of the first guys. We walk out of the floor and they're like, the referees are like, this is your starting five. And we're like, yes. And then we started the game. <laughs> We played against some junior college, which was not a fun time. I think they beat us by about 80. I think all five of their starters, it felt like, this is not mathematically possible, but it felt like all five of their starters had 30 points. It was ridiculous. And it was just a game that I'm ready to forget. I had an inbounds pass in that one where I had it over my head, and I was, like, faking it, and then the ball just fell out of my hands. There was no – and I just kind of looked at the ref like, can I pick this up? And then he ended up giving me a five-second call, so I don't know. 
We ended up going to Whataburger after that game, but it was a it was one of those nights where we're just like, what is happening? And we had a guy who was sick who didn't make the trip who was texting us. He goes, what happened? And our coach starts telling him that everybody on our team had 30 points. He goes, this guy had eight threes. This guy had this. In the reality, we maybe scored like 40 to 120. Just got drilled. <laughs> That's a fantastic story. Um, I can only imagine the feeling when you show up to a game and no one is there to play you. And then, uh, yeah, that's – hey, credit to you for, for getting the uniform on quick and getting out there and, and logging the start that night. Exactly. I mean, you got to take the – I mean, let's, let's throw that out to Mark next time. First guy's off the plane starting this next game. Hey, I, I don't – I can't confirm that's not what they do, although um, that, would, that would mean Shea and Lou Dort and Josh Gideon are the first out there. But the other two, sometimes it seems like, hey, first guy's out there um, – you're starting, but uh, man, that's that's a that's a good one, Michael. Unless it's Aaron. At least Davis. you had Waterburger at the end of the night. Yeah, at least we did have that. Um, I had a friend named Devin who played on that team as well, and it was after the Christmas break, so we didn't all travel together to go to the game. And he showed up to the wrong gym again, to the wrong place. <laughs> but it gets worse. Uh, love my friend Devin to death. He showed up to the wrong college in the wrong state. Oh no. So he calls us, and he's like, don't worry, coach. I'm going to be there. And we're like, Devin, we're 20 minutes from the game. Just go home, please. What state was he in? That is a great question that I will have to ask him at a later time. And then I do have one more story since we have time. Uh, This one's Thunder-related. The Thunder went to the finals in 2012, their only finals appearance. My family was coming back from vacation from Mexico, and we got into a delay in Houston, so we ended up watching game one in the bar of, like, an airport, and we're sitting there watching the game, and we hear this couple talking next to us, and it's Nadia Comaneci and Bart Connor are on the next there, and we just watched the whole game with them. I'm, like, 12 years old. We're watching this game, and next to two world-class Olympians, the first ever perfect 10. And it was just a hilarious time doing that. And I'll, I'll never forget game one because it's the first ever finals game for the Thunder. And then I was uh, with some gymnastics royalty there. Yeah. Gymnastics royalty turned Oklahoma royalty. That is, that is very random, but it's kind of cool when you have like, wait, what is, what is this? What am I doing right now? Um, um, that the, the airport, I don't have like a good airport story like that, but I imagine the airport is the best place to be to like run into those random situations where like um, you could just see people that you wouldn't otherwise run into. Yeah, well, hopefully we can get some more of those. Maybe you'll meet somebody on the road. I don't know who who you're trying to meet, but someone in Memphis, Atlanta, uh, Minnesota. I don't know. Maybe David Gerard. Yeah, David Gerard. I'd love to hear that story. Just you going up, it's like you have no idea how long I've <laughs> been waiting to see you. Do you know you what don't kind think of an you're relevant, but I keep your name alive. Uh, oh boy, Just shout out niche to David Gerard. David Gerard and Quad A Green, your two core right there. My guys, my guys. But, anyways, I'll let you go. You've got a bunch of stuff to do. Is there anything else you have to plug before we uh, get out of here? Yes. So, um, obviously, follow us. On the road trip, we're lucky enough to be basically one of um, two outlets, me and uh, Steve McGee from News 9, who are able to, to make these trips and give you coverage from the road. And, and I hope that's, um, you know, valuable to, you know, to a fan to be able to be able to get that perspective, try to give you as much behind the scenes as I can. Um, 
and then had a chance to sit down with Shea Gilgis Alexander yesterday after practice and um, hear some pretty cool stories. And that 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 story should be a big one um, coming out in the next few days. So yeah, look out for that one. For sure. Well, we'll get you back on for the pod to talk about that when you're out on the road. Maybe you'll have another fun road story. Maybe you showed up to a game in the wrong state, wrong arena, or something like that, which I don't think our, our bosses would be too happy about, but make a fun story. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I will say that because on some of these long trips where like I get the order wrong, it's like I'll, I'll show up to the counter, where are you headed today? And then I'll have to think about it for like three seconds, and then I'll remember... And then I'm just thinking, like, in their minds, they're probably like, this dude is up to something. Like, something's wrong. He doesn't even know where he's going. Um, but it's but it's true. I, I often have no idea where I'm going. But I, I will be heading to the tundra of Minneapolis later today. Should be a lot, of look, uh, should be a lot to look forward to from Joe's coverage. Make sure to follow along for that. I'm also going to be making a new Thunder Buddies Twitter within this week. But thank you so much for listening again. And we will be back on Tuesday.